beeping noise. Um, if you could just, yeah, let him know. I think about my parents, the most influential teachers in my life. I probably couldn't point to one specific thing they taught me, but I just know that I've been formed by them. And you may have had parents like that or may have grandparents like that or people who are close to you who have helped form who you are. And I'm just thankful for those people who have formed you into into the men and women that you are today. And you can be that for somebody else. That's, that's a great thing. So here we go. Not many of you should presume to be teachers <laughs> because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man. Is there anyone perfect? Not one. Able to keep his whole body in check, which means we all need discipleship. We all need training in the Lord. And Jesus commissioned us to train one another and those who do not yet believe. We don't teach our own teaching. Here's what I think is good. But we teach the teachings of Jesus and the way of Jesus. He says, come follow me. Jesus is the good teacher. And even Jesus said, no one is good but God alone. Of course, he is God. He's a profound teacher and a divisive teacher. He drew crowds. He drew all types of people to himself, various nationalities, and people hung on every word he said. Many loved him, yet many hated him. As you know, he was put to death. But Jesus is more than a teacher. He is Lord, meaning master. And he gave this warning to people who listened to him. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, And yet, do not do what I say. Why do you call me master? And yet, don't obey me. Jesus gives the invitation, come follow me. As we read earlier in the the scripture reading. If anybody wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It's a huge invitation and a huge challenge where we come and submit to his will and in doing so, that is how we become like him. Does anybody want to be like Jesus? And here's the crazy thing about wanting to be like Jesus, wanting to be like God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had an opportunity to obey the word of God And yet along comes the serpent who gives them another opportunity to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, he tempted them and he said, you know, God's keeping something from you. If you want to be like God, take a bite of this and your eyes will be open. You will know good from evil. You want to be like God. So Jesus gives us the opportunity to be like him. And Satan also gives us the opportunity to be like God as well. But yet there are two different pathways. One path. All right. That's all right. If anybody goes upstairs on the channel. No, Dorothy, I don't. You don't know what. (laughs) 
Jason, can you go up there? There's a channel that says Echo Flex. And then just mute that. Thank you. Sorry, his phone's connected to Bluetooth. Can you turn off your Bluetooth on your phone? It keeps beeping on and off. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Where was I? So in, in Genesis, Satan gives the opportunity to be like God. Jesus also gives us the opportunity to be like God. There's two different pathways. One leads to death. One leads to life. Isn't that fascinating? And this longing to be like God needs to be our pursuit of Jesus. To learn what Jesus teaches in order to do what Jesus does. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. We are supposed to do what Jesus does. I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. How can I do that? So we're focusing on this one part of discipleship, our words. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on by fire is set on, by, set on fire by a small spark. Words have power. Words also reveal what's in our heart. Words can ca- cause friendships to grow and flourish and give joy to people's hearts. Our words can bring about serious conversations which help form us and help us become better men and women. Our words can do great harm to people isn't that a great photo? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to actually get a, a real photo of people talking behind someone's back. But you get the idea. When's the last time you talked behind someone's back about somebody? All the time. You're right. Thank you, Dorothy. All the time. That's the truth. We talk about people when we shouldn't be talking about people. Also, words can become so hateful and damage relationships. The power of the tongue, it's something that needs to be tamed. In other words, it's something that needs to be trained. We need discipleship for our, our words that we speak because it blesses or harms the relationships that we have. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on, by, set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. So we have a problem, don't we? If we need to be trained and our tongues need to be tamed... Yet we cannot do it on our own. Who's going to help us? We all have sin and we need a Savior. We need a Savior who not only has a clean mouth, but also a clean heart. 
It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. We need someone with a clean mouth. And Jesus is the Word of God in the flesh. All things were created by Him and for Him and through Him. And God, God brought everything into existence with His Word. The power of the world, Word is great. It brought about creation. And also, the words that we say reveal what's in our heart, just as God's Word revealed what's in His heart. Let it there be light, and there was light, and God said what? It is good. Revealing who God is. He is a good God. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What's he saying here? Words are the fruit of the condition of the heart. And this comes from Jesus' teaching in Luke chapter 6. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs for thorn bushes or grapes from briars, nor the good man stores good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. How do you change your words? You change your heart. How do you know the condition of your heart? Listen to your words. We have all spoken evil because there is evil in our heart. And we are like Isaiah in the presence of a holy God who said, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I come from a people of unclean lips. Now, is he just talking about the lips or what's he, what's he really talking about? I come from a people of an unclean heart. Is there anyone with a clean heart who speaks words full of truth and full of love? Anybody. There's only one. It's Jesus. So we have this teaching for brothers and sisters in the Lord, for the disciples of Jesus. Here's the diagnosis. It's sin. And we say, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. From our lips, we praise God. We curse men. This should not be. We need to be trained. Formed, shaped, renewed. Something's wrong, something needs healing, and what is it? It's not your lips, it's your heart. You don't just try to be better, you don't just try to change your words, you don't just try to watch your mouth, but rather you get on your knees and ask, God, would you forgive me of my sin and change my heart? Have you ever felt sick? I remember when I was a kid getting sore throats a lot. I haven't had a sore throat in two years. You know why? Because of the coronavirus. I wear a mask if I'm around people. I kind of like it. 
how do you know if you're sick? I could have given you a real image of what strep throat looks like, but this is better for your, for your brain. When you're sick, you, people often first look at your mouth, especially if, if you have a sore throat. Open your mouth, say, ah, and we can see if there's any swelling or sometimes even white bumps, which looks like strep throat. Or how do you know if you have the coronavirus? You take your temperature. Now, when I, we always put the, temp, the thermometer in our mouth, but now they do this, so this is really a good illustration. You can just get your temperature by putting it on your forehead. My brothers, this should not be. We look at our mouths, we discover that there's something who's, that's killing us, and we need not just the symptoms to go away, but we need the evil to go away. Heal the heart first, then the symptoms of evil words will be gone, and finally good words will be spoken. But here's my question. Why do Christians sometimes say evil things? Have you noticed that about yourself? Yeah, you may believe in Jesus. Yeah, but why have you recently said something you shouldn't have said? Here's a, here's a couple reasons. First is lack of maturity or awareness. And the second is lack of faith. Lack of maturity. Christians, as most people are, are not blank slates. People come from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of households, and often people come to Jesus later in their life and they find themselves praising God, but yet after time goes on, they realize, wow, there's a lot of stuff in my life that needs to be healed and changed. No one is immune to his or her upbringing. If you grow up in a household where the parents are kind to each other and love each other and say nice words to each other and serve each other, you will likely grow up doing those things. If you grow up in a household where people are cussing each other out, backbiting, saying awful things to each other, most likely that's going to carry over into the other relationships. Can the person who comes from a household where people talk nicely to each other and a person who comes from a household that talk evil to each other, do they both need to be saved? Yes. How much more training will this person have than this person? Quite a bit more. But still, everybody needs to be shaped and trained. We learn from a new teacher that reforms the heart and brings about the healing that only he can give. Discipleship is a maturing process. No one is going to get to this right away. It's going to take time. Even Christians need grace and accountability. Do you have that in your life? When you say something off color or say something that's just downright evil, do you have the brother and sister coming to you and correcting you, rebuking you, and helping you to speak words of love 
It's both grace and it's accountability. Grace does wonders for people. Writing people off, dismissing people, rejecting people only leads people into a path of darkness. Grace brings people to light. We need the work of fellow believers to speak into our hearts, don't we? That's discipleship. The second reason Christians say evil things is because lack of faith. People who speak evil often don't believe Jesus cares about what they say or how they say it. I'm saved. That's good enough. Well, Jesus saved you and he wants you to be like him. Follow me, he says. Anybody who puts my words into a practice is like a man who builds his house upon the rock. Anyone who doesn't is like a man who builds his house in the sand. The storms of life will come and they will wash the house away. The house on the rock stands firm. A person in this position needs conviction of their sin, which thankfully God gives that to us, the Holy Spirit. And the person needs sanctifying faith. There may be saving faith. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Yes, but do you believe that Jesus calls you to be like him? To obey him in everything? Sanctifying faith. For a person to have a changed heart and therefore have a change in their words that they speak, this person, this disciple of Jesus, must be open to the work of the Holy Spirit and to the accountability and grace that his brothers and sisters give him. But then there comes to be a place of danger, and I've seen people in this situation. And if you're in this situation right now, I invite you to repent. Where lying becomes your native language. Lying can be a defense mechanism. Especially if someone confronts you and you feel like you're in a tight spot and you have to kind of make sure that no one really finds out the truth. You don't want to become vulnerable to your sin, so you just lie. When lying is your defense mechanism, you need to be retaught what to do when you feel fret, threatened or in a tight spot. And then there's this, this way of living where you actually practice deceit every single day. And instead of, be, instead of it being a defense mechanism, it is an offensive tool used to gain some sort of advantage over another, another person or a situation. And this is a character flaw. This is a situation where Jesus needs to come in and totally transform. And a person lives a deceitful life when he or she needs to cover up their ugly heart. And they do this by lying by accusing others when they're in the wrong and manipulating and speaking all sorts of dishonest spins in order to protect 
whatever version of themselves they want to protect. And it is evil. It's also a lonely place. It's very lonely because you don't want anybody to get in. This is the verdict, Jesus says. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Now, people who lie and the people who practice deceit, both can be convicted by the Lord. But often a person who's practicing deceit does not want to repent and does not want to turn. They would rather have whatever their deceit gives them than the freedom that Jesus gives. I have a relative who was in this situation years ago. And he just told me his story a couple years ago. You know, I knew what had happened, but I didn't know exactly what he was doing. He said to me, John David, I, I would be teaching Sunday school at the church Sunday morning, lying to my wife throughout the week about when I had to work, when I was really just at the bars. And he said, I would go Saturday night out and I'd say, I'm going to work, but I'd hit the bars again and have a one-night stand. I'd come back home late at night and I'd go and teach Sunday school again the next day. He said, I was living a double life. And eventually his deceit led to exposure. And even after he was exposed, he was unrepentant. And for years and years of being unrepentant, somehow, some way, God sent people into his life to bless him. And he was convicted by the Holy Spirit. And he repented. He confessed his sin. Even though lots of damage had already been done. But then he began to have faith. And he's being sanctified by the Holy Spirit today. A new creation. God can do it. Who can do that type of work except Jesus alone? And so Jesus gives us great freedom. Even if we're lost, there's hope. Jesus gives freedom to those who follow him. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, there's an offering of grace today. And that grace is not only from God, it's also from each other, where we forgive each other when we fall short. And in this freedom, we can live by the truth. We can say what is on our minds. We can say what's from our heart, also knowing that what we think or feel is not always right, right? Well, I feel this way. Well, that doesn't mean it's right. I got to speak my truth. Well, your truth isn't the truth. It's your experience. 
You know, live by truth, we always compare it to the word of God, the standard of truth. So we experience grace, we live in the truth, and we also live in the love of Jesus Christ. We speak the truth in love. Don't you love it when people speak the truth? Sometimes it can be harsh. But don't you love it even more when they speak the truth in love? We say it for the building up of one another rather than for the tearing down. Jesus gives great freedom. So how do we speak like Jesus? How is our heart formed? And of course, there's basic ways, these means of grace. The heart is formed through prayer. You want to learn how to talk, listen to how God talks to you. Read the scripture. Don't just go through it and flip through it and say, okay, I'm done for the day. But feed on it. Memorize it. Let the words of scripture become the words that you speak to other people. And then, of course, fellowship. You must do this with other disciples. The discipleship challenge for this nine weeks is that you would gather together with a few other people. Ideally from our church, but also, you know, a few from our church, a few from outside the church. That would be even the best. Gather with people, read together, care for each other, confess to each other your sins, pray for each other, and practice the way of Jesus together. If you read about it, if you study it, but you never practice it, if you never do it, it won't become part of who you are. Lord, help us to speak like you. Help us to develop godly habits, your habits. Lord, I pray that this week, we would pay attention to the words that we speak. And I just ask that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable to you. Lord, we confess that we've said awful things. Have mercy upon us. Deliver us from evil, Jesus. Help us to speak words of life, of truth, of love. Help us to build each other up and bless each other for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.